This is Allison Lee, and you are listening to CraftCast. And on today's show, I'll be talking with the editor of Art Jewelry Magazine, Hazel Wheaton, as well as sharing with you some new books, some new websites, and lots of news. So let's get started. Show number 165. Starting the day again, oh yeah. Letting the sun shine in, uh-oh. I'm gonna dig within myself. Uh oh. Life may be never what you think, but I think I'll just go with it and create something new. Just get yourself right into your chair. Come on, listen, you can learn to create something new. Well, hello, hello, hello. Oh, it always seems like a long time that I've talked on the podcast here over at craftcast.com, and yet I'm talking every week (laughs) for 90 minutes online in the uh, craftcast classes uh, held most Wednesday nights. So uh, and I love hearing from all you guys when during that class. So it's great. But all of you who haven't joined a class yet, come on over. And uh, it's good to catch up with you over here on the podcast. So what's been going on in the studio besides uh, all kinds of fun classes and polymer and metal clay and uh, just so much fun uh, making the recordings and uh, just seeing what all of you guys make after the class. Okay, so enough about crafting for a second. Uh I've been taking some time out to play. First thing is that, uh, I don't know about all of you out there, but I do go to the gym regularly <laughs> to let it all out. Uh, when you're uh, creating on the computer, sitting in a chair, for me, I need to go to the gym on a regular basis and put on loud rap music in my ears and uh, run uh, either around the lake or on the treadmill or whatever But I've also added into my workout something. I'm just going to talk about for a sec, in case you've been wondering about it. TRX, that's what it's called. It's a suspension training program. What it looks like is basically uh, two straps that hang down from the ceiling that can be adjusted to different lengths with uh, loops at the bottom where you can either hold onto the handles or, or put your feet in. Oh, yes, you suspend yourself with your feet in. I have to say I've spent my whole life working out in the gym. This could be my absolute favorite kind of workout because it is, uh, it's all about keeping your balance. It's all, it's sort of like Pilates in the sky. There you go. So if you've thought about it, go try it. And if you don't care about working out at all, (laughs) the next thing I was going to tell you about is, oh, I had so much fun going in to Manhattan last week uh, with my man and my son, my two men. And we went to see Hugh Jackman perform his cabaret show. Uh, I know he is mostly known as, what is it? Um, I can't even remember. He's one of the X-Men. Not the werewolf. The werewolf. I can't believe I can't think of his character name with the claws and the whole thing. It's the biggest movie. I've never seen any of those movies. I love him because of his Broadway work and his singing and his cabaret. And he was amazing. Oh, it was so much fun to have that kind of an evening in the city with live music and theater and a New York experience and eating at Joe Allen's and uh, love it, love it, love it. I'm just saying. So if you haven't gone to see some live theater in a while, I recommend get out there and go. 
it's just so great to be in that environment of live music and, and live entertainment. I had a wonderful time. He was amazing. So I know that's traveling on the road. If it comes to your city, check it out. It was just a really fun evening. Uh, if you're a fan of the old Peter Allen music, Mr. Peter Allen, he played Peter Allen on Broadway. So he does a whole section of the show recreating that. Enjoyable. Okay, so what else do I want to talk to you about? Okay, books. First off, I'm reading, of course, big surprise, the Steve Jobs book by Walter um, Isaacson, the bio. And of course, I love it. And I recommend it. Uh, What else can I say? I mean, I just love, you know, I just love knowing the behind the scenes history. Uh, I had a belief working in the creative field, advertising I did for many, 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 many years in New York, that if you could be a diva or what would some could call eccentric or what people love to call hard to work with, I, I had no problem with that as long as you produced the results. I worked for many who were hard to work with. And I believe probably some people might have thought that about myself. But my feeling was, if you produced the level of creativity, the level of work, I was all for it. I had no problem with it. But I did have a problem if you were a diva and had nothing to show behind it. <laughs> and it was just bye-bye. Well, this book gives you an idea of what Steve was like and how he pushed the envelope. And uh, I just enjoy it from that point of view, just from someone who was wrestling a creative idea out of his brain, had a vision, and it was coming out. So anyway, I recommend that quite a bit. I even had some parallel things. Uh, I'm going to tell you, okay, here's a really quick story. He talks about that him and his friend um, Wozniak, I can't think of his first name right now. Was it also Steve Wozniak? Uh, They invented a little device when they were in college that they could put in the palm of their hand. So when they were in a dorm in one of the uh, rooms where you just hang out, one of the uh, TV rooms, rec rooms, and they could go over be near the TV and push this little device they had in their palm and the television would get all fuzzy. And those were the days before cable where you needed antennas and you had to adjust the antennas and we'd put aluminum foil on the antennas, anything to create a better reception. So someone would get up to go over to the uh, antenna and then they'd hold it a certain way and in an awkward position and all of a sudden they'd release this little device in their hand and the, the reception would be perfect. And now that person was stuck holding the antenna in this bizarre position while everyone watched TV. (laughs) I know I enjoy that. What can I tell you? I have um, geeky humor. And when I was really little, I had developed a little, uh, what was called a little receiver in my science kit. And down in the basement, I would play with this. And what I realized was when I used it, uh, turned it on and uh, used the transformer, it was a little transformer, that it caused again, havoc in my mother's TV, a floor above me. (laughs) And I found that enjoyable. Uh, Of course, she sometimes, of course, immediately realized that I was the culprit behind this. So I didn't do it as well as they did. And she just screamed down, what are you doing? Stop it. But there you go. So Steve and I had that in common, the fun behind playing around with someone's TV signal. What can I tell you? (laughs) Okay, the other book I want to talk about that I just got uh, is um, from Mr. Tim McCright, uh, who published it for Alan Revere. 
Uh, I interviewed Alan Revere way back. He has his Jewelry Academy out in San Francisco. Pretty fabulous. He just came out with his revised and expanded professional jewelry making book, A Contemporary Guide to Traditional Jewelry Techniques. It, just get it. Don't. I should. That's all I need to say. Just get it if you're into jewelry making. You need to have it for your library. Uh, it's the kind that you have to sit down with a really nice, I don't know, I prefer sort of a latte and cruise through it slowly because it's filled with projects and pictures and techniques. Uh, I've been looking at the Forged Ring Project Number 12 for a while. I think I might be trying that. Uh, so it's just, you know, it just has it all. What can I tell you? Classic techniques, uh, chaining, forging, annealing, <laughs> with all kinds of projects. So I recommend that great Christmas present. Again, it's called Professional Jewelry Making by Alan Revere. And you can find a link for that at uh, the craftcast.com website, as well as a link to Steve's, uh, the book uh, about Steve Jobs. Also, that reminds me, I just want to tell you, any of you out there, this just happened to me this morning. Any of you out there, raise your hand. I can see you. Uh, if you have the original Nano, remember that one? It was the one we got because we wanted to run with our music and the iPods were just too freaking big to keep them on our arms. And then they came out with the first Nano that was small and lightweight. I had the little um, case that had Velcro so I could attach it on my arm. It's like six years ago, I think, five to six. And, uh, or maybe it's even longer than that. Yeah, maybe it might be, the original Nano might be longer than that. You know, don't ever count on me for, for numbers and years. Anywho, there's been a recall, and I saw that on one of my um, uh, info websites, that if you have one of those, you type in your serial number, and they will send you the package to return it and send you a new one. Hey there. <laughs> I think that's pretty fabulous. So I pulled mine out, typed in my number. They're sending the packaging. I guess they'll send one of the new little ones, I guess. There was no um, word about what it is you're going to get. There's something to do with that battery heating and... I don't know, it's not good. So anyway, look around for your old Nano. Take advantage of that. You can just type into Google. Or you know what? I'll put the link also um, in craftcast.com, the show notes, where you can click to do that. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so today's guest, today's guest is uh, Hazel Wheaton, who I've had the pleasure of meeting. I've had the pleasure of laughing with and dining with. And Hazel is the editor of Art Jewelry Magazine, just one of my favorites, just saying. Uh, every month, or almost every month, I love looking at their projects and their ideas and their articles, and I love their editors, and I just, um, you know, enjoy the whole thing. So Hazel came on to chat with me all about publishing and all that kind of great stuff. Uh, interesting bonus question. All of you who have purchased the Craftcast.com app, Listen to the bonus question because she tells you how to get an article or jewelry idea published in uh, Art Jewelry Magazine. So you don't want to miss that. Those of you who are interested in that, purchase the app. Just go find it in iTunes. But before we talk, I talk with Hazel. Uh, I have some music today. It's by Laura Marie. It's called This Time. So I hope you enjoy that. And come on back and I'll be chit-chatting with Ms. Hazel Wheaton. was only me the way my world collapsed 
Well, I'm excited today because I get to talk to the editor of Art Jewelry Magazine, uh, Hazel Wheaton, and it's one of my favorite magazines. I know it's a lot of yours out there. So now we're going to get to hear sort of the behind the scenes from my guest today. So Hazel, thanks so much for chatting with me. Well, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. And I'm a fan of your show. So thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I've always loved magazines. Have you? Is that like something you've been into since, you know, the high school days? since I was a very young one. Um, yes, I've always loved magazines. Uh, you know, back from the days that, you know, we used to get Ranger Rick magazines. Oh, <laughs> I love what was your What was your other favorite magazines that you waited for? Um, I think that was, I mean, that and anything that came through the school. The scholastic programs back then were great for, you know, printed matter. And we had the book clubs and all of that. So, um, you know, there was always this, you know, plus I grew up in a household that was filled with books. Um, my mother was, is a great reader and my father was an English professor and we just, we were always surrounded by reading. So, you know, obviously that was, uh, uh, a big thing for me growing up. So it wasn't a huge surprise to me that I made my <laughs> ended up making my living right. somehow tied to the printed word. Right. Did you wait? I used to literally <clears throat> wait for magazines to come in, like, <laughs> like what is it called? You know, sort of just um, stay around and, you know, be like, okay, are they being delivered today yet? <laughs> <laughs> you used to sit at the, uh, at the mailbox yeah. waiting for Well, yeah. or at the stores or anything, just like, when are they coming in? It was yeah. the, it was the lifeline to all that kind of stuff. Well, I remember in, I grew up in a very small town in central Pennsylvania and we had a, a five and dime. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And we used to go down there and, you know, the magazine racks and, you know, they used to sell comic books in the racks down there. And that's, you know, we, that's where we used to pick things up. And I do remember once when I was uh, trying to read a magazine on the handlebars of my bicycle as I was right. riding home and it didn't end well. No. That usually doesn't, but I do. I do follow exactly what you're saying. But was, I wonder if it's because, you know, they were sort of cherished things. I guess it's because we have so much TV. I don't remember the TV as being as important. I guess it was, but there was something special about the magazines, yes. I, highlights, all that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was yeah, great. Definitely. All right. So now, so I understand getting into publishing is really exciting. So let just tell everyone sort of your background for that. Uh, well, my background was. Um, I, I sort of uh, chanced into publishing. It was uh, it was not my planned career path. Um, my plan was I was had just graduated college and um, had just finished up. You know, you finish college and you've just spent all of your life <laughs> studying. Right. Um, and my plan was to go back to graduate school and to become a professor. I was going to be a teacher. Okay. Um, but I thought, okay, uh, I need a couple years in the real world. I need to, you know, get my bearings again and um, spend a couple years and then go back to graduate school. And um, so I was just looking for a job out of college and found a job with a publishing, a very small office in New York that was the American branch of a British publishing company and um, just started off as their, I think my they called me an editorial 
uh, assistant at the yeah. time. And really, I was answering phones and making coffee. That's right. what I was doing. Um, but it was working for a magazine. And, um, you know, I got to talking with the editors, and they discovered where my interests lay, which was more in the editorial side than advertising. And I started doing things for them and uh, just gradually um, fell in love with the whole industry. Um, Isn't it a great way to learn, though, when it, you're an intern like that and you can really just spy is. on everything? It really <laughs> is. And it, it means that I have spent my editorial career really learning from the ground up. Right. Um, you know, it's not a... a in terms of a journalism degree or a publishing degree, I, I haven't learned that way. I learned by actually working on magazines um, with nuts and bolts from the beginning. But don't you think that makes it easier because you know certain things that you wouldn't know otherwise if you just came in from? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, you know, it's funny because I've been, uh, you know, the more that I find out now on the formal education front in terms of magazine publishing, and we'll get, you know, um, keyed in for, with the folio conferences and, and, and uh, professional magazine organizations, and they'll tell us what, to, what we should be doing, and we mm -hmm. think, oh, well, we're doing that already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's nice that the formal education is sort of confirming what we have learned. That is always nice when that happens, isn't it? From the it? ground up, yeah, yes, it's definitely. Like validation is always nice. Definitely. Now, tell people... I always like to, I loved being in publishing and I was, you know, people, it's like the glamour world. Well, it has a little glamour. I mean, I was in fashion, but the glamour is just momentary poof. What's your biggest challenge day to day in your job? Um, I think the biggest challenge for me uh, is, I mean, the, the publishing world is changing so much right. at this point. Um, you know, we re really are at a revolutionary moment yes. in publishing um, with the advent of digital and online and podcasts like yours. And there's it's an entire shift in the way that we think about magazines. Um, and the challenge is really sort of reorienting the thinking so that we're not thinking about just the printed page. Everything that comes in, we're thinking, well, what, what are we going to do online? What sure. do we do in the newsletter? What do right. we do in the, you know, do we need to film videos? Do we need to, you know, um, what are we thinking about for, you know, standalone extras? You know, everything is, has this added dimension. So it's, it's, and it's a challenge to keep up with the audience because everybody is um, uh, learning things all the time and they want to learn more. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's uh, it, we're in a, in a uh, you know people say oh people don't read anymore but the truth is people read all the time now um, it's just that we read in different formats like we're always reading and taking in information yeah we, huge amount of information we're taking in yeah but do you find that everyone also like you just said learning all the time <clears throat> that people um, like I think but I'm a crazy girl this way, uh, <laughs> that a month is a long time to wait for another issue. Yes. <laughs> it probably is. And, and for us, you know, because we're, we're bi-monthly, so we're only six times a year. So, oh, right. So, but I've, I mean, it's one of the most frequent comments that I get from readers um, is, can you go monthly? Yeah. <laughs> can you put out 12? Because yeah. six isn't enough. I don't right. want to wait I don't want to wait. Well, also because of the way internet and everything, and certainly, um, you know, how it all is going now, is our people are are used to immediate. Yes. 
yes. Um, it's it's a challenge because uh, I think that there's, you know, the Internet has is absolutely amazing, and it really has changed the way that we approach information. And it, whatever you're looking for, you can find something about it online right. somewhere. Um, and you don't have to wait two months. You can, right. you know, if, if you want to find out how to solder a seam, you can find it somewhere online. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but it's, I think that the value that we offer and, uh, I think I'm still on topic, am I? Yes. No, I'm, I'm right there listening. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of just talking. No, I? no, no, that's good. Um, I think that the value that we offer is that we can take time to, uh, explore, uh, a thir- topic thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing that we still offer is um, that we can package a story. And I, by that, I mean, you know, we get a story in from a from an author and we tear it apart, which is, you know, not in the bad sense, but we pick it apart into pieces and we like, we, we examine what are the techniques here? How many of these need explanation, further mm-hmm. explanation? Mm-hmm. Do we need a video? Do we need a tie-in? Maybe there's a reference chart, you know, all of these things that we can take time and, and, and pull together. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, people can find anything that they want on the Internet somewhere. Um, but I think we provide a sense of authority, a voice of authority, that we are going to take the time and get it right. And they know where yeah, that's the information a good point. is coming from. Plus, I still look at it as the kind of thing where uh, now... I only feel this way about like your magazine, the magazines and crafts, where it means I'm going to sit down with a cup of tea and enjoy this experience. It gets me away from the computer. Uh-huh. I don't feel that way about any of the other magazines. <laughs> you know, it's just fluff. I'll read them online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would think, do you think the um, that your readers feel that way as well? I mean, it's still something that we hold and look at. We're visual. We're artists. Yes, I do think so. I mean, we've had, um, you know, the more and more people want to read um, digitally. Uh, they do, okay. They do, but um, we had, you know, we've been putting out surveys and asking questions about digital publishing for the last couple of years before we take that big step. Um, and the number of people who were saying, please don't take my magazine away. Yeah. I want, I like my hard copy. Yeah. Is, is. Still you know, substantial. Still substantial. Yeah. And to those people, I'm, I, I, quick to reassure them that the print magazine is not going to disappear. We're not going to <laughs> Yeah, no, it's something continue it. it's, it's still important to hold some of these things and be able to look back and forth at them it as much is. as I love digital. I, I totally agree. Now, how do you guys, how do you stay ahead of, because like you said, you're um, planning out your issues, I'm assuming many months mm-hmm. in advance. Yeah. So what do you do for, I mean, and I would think online does help. How do you stay ahead of the curve? How do you decide um, you know, how do you keep up with bringing the newest material? Um, well, I have a, in terms of planning ahead, I have a big, uh, what's referred to as the big whiteboard. Ah, yes, the big whiteboard. We all need those in life. <laughs> it's, it's basically a whole year of issues broken down with, you know, it's a checkerboard pattern. So I'm filling it in constantly as we get things in. Um, or, you know, think about things that I want to get in. Right. Um, but I think the, the key to staying ahead is really just, um, first of all, paying attention to what people are saying on our, uh, we've, we've got a, a very active discussion forum mm-hmm, on, our, mm-hmm. on our website, and people are constantly talking there, like, what are they talking about? What do they want to know? What are they asking questions about? 
Um, so, you know, we, we listen to the people who are our readers. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is I think it's very important that we have always have people on our staff who are active jewelry makers. Mm, yeah. um, you know, uh, whatever stage that the magazine has been at over at its history, there have always been, you know, accomplished jewelry makers on staff who know what they're talking about and who are actively interested in the field. Um, so it gives us that technical expertise as well as just an active interest of what it is that jewelry makers are looking for, yeah, what, are, yeah. what do they want to know, what's exciting at the moment, right? Um, and what's coming up, you know, what's what's uh, what are they hearing about that um, might just be... <laughs> Might just be something big. What do you hear? What do you think is exciting coming up? Um, well, I think that uh, at this point, um, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, the the, um, the the publishing company, Kalmbach Publishing Company, that's our parent company, um, also uh, hosts the Beaten Button Show, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is just massively huge. Right. And so we sort of take a look there to sort of see what's um, what's exciting to people. And what's really interesting to me is that the largest section of classes that's doing really well at the Bead and Button Show are traditional classes. They're, um, you know, metals and wire and, you know, um, soldering is big. You know, the big trends that are coming back are, you know, more traditional jewelry making. Um, And why do you think that is? You know, I don't. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I sort of think it is that people are combining things now. So I always hear about beaters who want to learn how to make their findings or put it in settings, or yeah. you know, that people are combining. So solder yeah. is no longer the manly man shop type of thing, <laughs> right? I would. Yeah, and I think um, I think there's a natural cycle to these things, and I think that you know the bead the bead um, uh, landscape was so huge, it, mm. it blew up so big, mm-hmm. um, and of course it's still big. You know, we have two um, two lovely bead magazines down the hall, Bead and Button and Bead Style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you know once people are have done that for a while, you know everybody's always very curious and rest, have restless curiosities. Mm-hmm. What am I gonna What am I gonna learn next? Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, always people coming in and out of the bead framework, but then there are people who are thinking, well, what am I going to do with this? Where yeah. do I take it next? You right. know, and there are people who are doing their, their bead jewelry, and then they think, well, why do I have to buy a class? Right, yeah. I could make that. That, yeah. that doesn't look so hard. And then we get them in with, you know, making a simple S-hook clasp, and then, oh, right. <laughs> I can do these other things right. as well. So, you know, it's always... And, you know, people who are involved in jewelry making in whatever um, framework are always, you know, they're they're creatively inclined. So, right. And if you're creatively inclined, it, I've very rarely met anybody who's intensely creative who's only creative in one area. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's just people are interested in a whole raft of things. So um, it's like just finding, you know, what it is that's the next path. Right. So I think that, you know, jewelry making um, on the metals and wire front is sort of a natural next stage for people who had been in beads. So it's that, that beads was so huge is a, is a good next step. It's a good indication for us that they might be coming our way next. I was thinking that also because of the price of silver, mm-hmm. um, I know from the interest over at the classes here that it's the combo of putting silver and clays together, too, yeah. that are... It's exciting visually, but I think it came out of, which is a great 
way for something to get created came mm-hmm. out of we need to save some money or something here and then people get creative and like let's put this together <laughs> yes yes well i mean the the cost of silver has i mean it used to be that you know gold was the expensive and that if you couldn't afford to work in gold you'd work in silver right um you know when when art jewelry launched um you know uh, 2005 we launched um full-time um you know gold was 450 dollars an ounce and now it's oh, you know sixteen hundred. Yeah. And silver was Nothing. seven. <laughs> seven dollars an ounce. It just, just, I mean that. I, it, it just, just but it seems laugh. I still I know, but it was yeah I know it's sad because it seemed to happen. It sort of, it sort of did happen overnight where you yeah. just use silver and never think about it, and now right. it's like uh, we can't do that. Right, right. Silver was the one that you you explored with. Explored with. <laughs> But don't you think, I mean, what do you, I think what's come out of that is, I mean, we're exploring with copper. It's like, okay, yes. we can't do that. We'll do this. Yeah. So there. Yeah, and you see that in, in metals and metal clay. It's the explosion of the bronze and copper. Right. Clays, um, have echoed what are, what people are doing with base metals in, in traditional jewelry making. Um, you know, it's this, you know, you hit, you hit a challenge, which is how to contain your costs and creative people are going to, going to tackle that creatively. Right. Which I love. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. But I remember, I mean, we used to do projects that were like, how to, how to dress up your silver with just a touch of gold. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, how to dress up your whatever with just a touch of silver. Right. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But I do look at it as just like a good creative project. It's just sort yeah. of a funny thing. But, yeah. you know, it's, uh, hey, I've seen things done. Is Brenda sweeter? There are just things with steel wire that are just ridiculous. So yeah, I love Brenda's work. Yeah. So it's you know. Now, are you familiar at all? Recently, and I was talking to uh, Bruce Pevich, who is the curator over at the Ram Museum in Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay, so they had the yeah. big exhibit polymer. We don't say clay anymore. Even polymer <laughs> is now, ta 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 da. You know, on, on in a museum, yeah. which. I, I mean, hey, I look at anything that I love. I don't ask what it's made out of when I'm right. in a museum. But I was talking to Bruce about that. Do you think? Um, do you think that silver clay is not far behind? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, you mean in terms of museum people, acceptance? Or, yeah, oh, museum acceptance. You know, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, the the debate that's gone on back and forth between metals and metal clay over the last 10 years has, has been long and varied. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, I think that people, there are more and more people crossing over and, um, accepting both. Um, I think that, that the, the strides that have been made in metal clay have been amazing in terms of what yeah. the arts are coming out with. Yeah. Um, I think it's very true that in any, uh, medium as it grows, the people who are, finding amazing things to do with it that are unique to that medium are the people who are going to stand out. So I think that, you know, eventually, definitely, yes, there's going to be places in museums for people who are yeah, I do too. standout work. Um, but I think that, uh, I think it's, I think it's a, a difficult road for acceptance. It is. And then all of a sudden, boop, it gets accepted yeah. and, you yeah. know, the move on. Yeah, now, that's, a no, that's in no way to, you know, the, um, say that it's not a legitimate medium. Right, right. It's it's uh, it's it's all as with any medium, polymer or you know wire or whatever. It's all in the artists and how they use the the tools that are given to them. Absolutely. And do you find that? Because um, I always look at to see 
it's always interesting to me, the difference in ages. So people like the 20 somethings, uh-huh. like what are they making? Um, you know, I think that the 20 somethings, it's, they're sort of an all bets are off attitude with the younger people coming up. Um, you know, it's, you know, I think it's, it, you, you get into any kind of attempt to generalize what young people are doing and it's just so dangerous because everybody's so different and um these days even more than i think in the past um and that may have something to do with the internet as well that everybody's just free to go their own way um but uh i think that there's uh there's definitely a sense that people can learn on their own um a lot of Mm -hmm. they're they're looking at you know, online videos, they're looking at um, books and magazines and, 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 you know, podcasts and such, and they are finding their own way. Um, the whole DIY craft movement is just so huge. And um, Yeah, that's past movement as far as I'm concerned. That's like established <laughs> that's, huge. It is an established right. force of nature. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter what you use. You, um, you know, fiber is huge and the cross, you know, that growing, you know, fiber and felting and all of this stuff showing up not only in general crafts, but into jewelry. There's no sense of boundary there. I know. I love that. Did you happen to see, you know, the show Project Runway? I'm sorry? You know the show Project Runway where they make yes. clothes? Okay. Last night, I got lucky and turned on, and there was the show called, I think it's Accessory Runway. Huh. Exact same format, not Heidi, but another starlet model. Okay. Exactly the same, only they're just making jewelry and accessories. I didn't I didn't know about that. <gasps> I should have known about this. You should be a judge. <laughs> it was so interesting because they had I, I they had some kind of a I, don't, I forget what their um challenge was, but I think it was like they had to go into the storage room and there was yeah. junk in there and they had to out of the junk pull out and make something and they had to make three pieces. So yeah. they were doing like necklace, earrings, bag okay. or belt. Oh my gosh, it was so <laughs> creative and fabulous. That sounds great. That sounds great. Oh, it was really good. I really liked it a lot. It was, um, you know, it was what you were talking about. It pushes the, you know, they were using bed springs and Uh and crystals, and it was great. Yeah. I'm going to watch more of that. (laughs) Now, what do you think as far as moving forward? Is there something like in the frontier that you would like to see happen? Like, I'm going to give you an example. Okay, so I came up with this idea. I'm going to do online um, book signings. So I'm going to do an interact. Yeah, I'm going to do an interactive. It's coming up next month. You'll know all about it. Okay. And you'll see the book and the artist, and there'll be questions and coupons and goodies and uh-huh. live and fun. Uh-huh. Huh. Right? That's a very interesting idea. Yeah. Are they? How, how are you going to do the signature? I will, I have a magic wand. You'll be the first to know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I'll figure it out. <laughs> Just have these images of signing computer screens and could be. <laughs> but you know, there's, it's always so fun to sort of push the envelope with this kind of stuff. And you yeah. must have to do that as well. You constantly have to be thinking, hmm, mm-hmm. how yeah. do I like you know. And what idea is too crazy and what idea isn't too crazy. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Um, and I think that it's also, uh, you know, it's the, uh, the potential, I think, 
for the for digital publishing and online is so huge that and the temptation to dive right in and just do it um, because it can be done quickly yeah. is uh, almost overwhelming. Um, but um, you know we've taken our time on digital. We're sort of you know we're we're um, we haven't come out with a digital publication yet. Although we just launched on the uh, Barnes and Noble Nook, as uh, we'll now carry our jewelry, and we've got some more cool. announcements coming up that cool. I can't talk about, but will be done in the next cool. couple months. But um, it really was a sense of we need to take our time and do this right, because well, you, you, you can do rush forward and do all sorts of interesting things and then be, then think, oh, maybe that wasn't the best idea because the pictures are all pixelated. And there's no well, the, yeah, yeah. You, there's that fine line of customer service coming back if it didn't work that you don't want to deal with. Absolutely, absolutely. And you don't want people to say that didn't work, I'm not going to do it anymore. Exactly, and that's the, the other thing about the, the whole online experience and how the Internet has changed us is that there's always another option. Yeah. Um, so if this doesn't work, well, I just won't visit that site again. Yes. Because their pictures don't load. Exactly. <laughs> mean that That's exactly it, true. I just had an off day, but for it, it's in your head, their pictures don't load, or Correct. I can't read it on my machine, so they're off the list. Correct. And there here here are another three hundred possibilities. Yeah. No, so. it's. Definitely, um, that's a reality check for all of this, yeah. for absolute yeah. sure. So, well, what's your absolute favorite part? My favorite part, um, you know, it's, it's a running joke in the office because we do we go in for photo shoots for the our lead shots and our cover shots, and I'll be walking back and I go, "This is my favorite part. I love doing photo shoots." Okay. And then we'll come back from pinup, which is when um, the art department brings out the preliminary layouts and they put them all up on the board in our pinup room, and we look through like the the bones of the entire issue, and we'll be walking back and I'll be like, "This is my favorite part. I love right. pinup." Right. <laughs> it's like. I've got about 16 favorite parts of putting together a magazine. Um, and I think, so I think if I had to be honest, I think my favorite part is that every day is different. That's well put. <laughs> That's well put. There's a whole bunch of really fun stuff, and I don't do enough of it in a row to get tired of any of it. Right. <laughs> and do you feel any sense when you get it? Um, I remember these feelings as well. When all of a sudden the magazine is put in your hand, the new issues, it's sort of like, oh, whatever, that, I already did that. It's like the done part isn't it. It's the doing that's fun. It's the doing that's fun. It's like, but it's the excitement is still there when we get our, when we get our uh, advanced copies right. in the office. Um, it's a big day when the magazines arrive, right. <laughs> you know, to actually have it in your hands because it is a, it's a, it's a transformation moment. It was it only existed on screen and in, in big, you know, pieces of paper. Yes. Uh, this is oh now, yeah. Now it's real. This is, this is now a glossy magazine. Yes. It has authority course, now. <laughs> but then, of course, I start looking through it through it and think, oh, that picture should. Be yeah, sure. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really should have. <laughs> So you're always seeing things that are wrong with it. Yeah, and then that's when you better. put it down and you stop. Do you wrestle every month with getting your um, your letter done, or are you good at getting that done? I'm terrible at getting the letter done. <laughs> it's like the last thing that gets written. <laughs> and the, the, the funny thing is, is that then now I have to write letters for the newsletter. 
and the the newsletter goes out to our newsletter list. And um, then we decided that that wasn't enough to do a monthly newsletter. So now we do a bi-monthly newsletter. So oh. <laughs> I'm like, I, I feel like I'm constantly looking for something to write about. Right. It's, it's, yeah, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I think everyone is the same way. I mean, you like doing it, but you have to have the deadline to make you do it. Yeah. You don't just get ahead. Yeah. You don't do like three letters. Oh, I'm done. I have three letters ahead. No. 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 That's if not happening. If I'm lucky, I'll make a note if I think, oh, that would be a good topic for. Right. <laughs> and then I'll write it down and right. put it on a post-it note. And, you know, your November newsletter is going to be. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would be nice. Well, do you ever get time to make anything yourself? Oh, I wish I <laughs> do you at least get do other people at least take pity on you and give you things to wear that are pretty <laughs> they lend me things good yes. <laughs> send them back but they lend me things good that's fine that's just even to get to wear it for a night here or there i mean it's yeah. a lot to create everything and then make your own stuff too yeah yeah well it's funny because i remember um uh, uh back when uh, a, a very good friend of mine uh, morgan beard is the was was the editor of Colored Stone magazine, um, and uh, we would we would be in Tucson, and she would be gifted temporarily with these extraordinary necklaces, um, so that she could wear them to the the Gem Conference mm-hmm. dinners. Mm-hmm. And she would you know show up with this necklace around her neck the, from one of the gem dealers that cost like multiple tens of thousands of dollars. Right, right. <laughs> we were like. Yeah, this is my life for the evening. Yeah. <laughs> and I go back to Cinderella tomorrow morning. Yeah. I think it's perfect that way. I love that. Yeah. It's, but it's I wish get to I enjoy got, it. I wish I got more time to make things. Um, you know, I'm I'm primarily an editor. I, I, as I say, I know enough different jewelry making techniques to be dangerous, but not to be an expert, mm-hmm, <laughs> expert mm-hmm, in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, but I do enjoy it. I, you know, when I can actually sit down and make things, I do love it. Um, but uh, one thing that I've instituted with my staff, um, we have an in-house jewelry studio here at the offices that we use for product testing mm-hmm. and things like that. Because we, whenever we do a product review, we we take a lot of pride in the fact that we actually take the the take the tool or or whatever material and use it right. and get our hands dirty right. and um, go through the steps with it. Um, and, uh, it, so it's just sitting there except for product reviews. And, uh, so I've, I've blocked out on Friday afternoons, uh, a studio time. And so my staff members disappear into the studio every Friday afternoon and I'm just like, go play, nice. go, um, you know, make things. And I finally, uh, just within the last, you know, couple months put it on the calendar because it was something I was trying to encourage people to do for a while, but it's like unless it's on the calendar and an an assigned block of time It's not official. It's not official yeah. and you you prioritize, oh right. I've got a deadline, oh I've got to do these other fourteen things, so I'll I'll sacrifice that time. Right. But I really think that it's that playtime is important. It's just such it a is. it's such a, a creative um shot in the arm. Yeah. Um, so we finally put that on the calendar. Yay. So that's where they are while I'm talking to you. They're, they're playing. <laughs> the and kids are playing in the in the workroom. That sounds good to me. Yeah, and it means that they don't. They're not standing outside my office with their nose against the. I love it. Laugh. <laughs> I love it. Well, so. 
I wish I could come out there and play in your playroom because I know it would be fun. So You are welcome. Thank you. If you ever find yourself out in Milwaukee or even Chicago area, please I might come be. play. I might be, and I'll make sure it's on a Friday afternoon because that sounds <laughs> good to me. Absolutely. Well, Ms. Hazel Wheatensee, it was lovely chatting with you. Oh, my pleasure. So it much fun. It wasn't at all painful. It's See? <laughs> it's strange being on this side of it. Uh. <laughs> but it's not scary at all. It's just fun to chit-chat. Yes. And to well, tell everyone all the important stuff that they really want to know anyway. See, now they can hear your voice, not just read your words. So there you go. Well. So thank you for doing that. Oh, my pleasure. And maybe you should go down out of the room and play with them for a few minutes. <laughs> I think I might. Okay, good. All right. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Al. Sure thing. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that talk I had with Ms. Hazel Wheaton. Uh, you can find Art Jewelry Magazine online as well as at your newsstands. And it is quite enjoyable, so go get yourself a copy. As well as if you'd like to hear what Hazel had to say about how to get your article or jewelry idea published in Art Jewelry Magazine, you can uh, listen on the app. So go ahead and purchase an app over there at the iTunes store or for your droid, and you can hear uh, how to get that information uh, if that's what interests you. So... What did I want to talk about today? Well, in my ET, Entertaining Thoughts section of the show today, uh, something that's come up that I've been coaching someone, uh, and I thought this is something I could share with all of you, is um, the dilemma about managing your time and how to spend, how to get more time to spend it in your studio making your art. It's a common, uh, common complaint that comes up. I don't have enough time to spend in the studio. Well... <laughs> I hear you. So here's just a here's a little uh, little bit of homework uh, that just a, something that'll help you figure it out where that time goes. A little formula actually, uh, and I got it from um, really from I think it was Weight Watchers where you uh, I think it's Weight Watchers where you write down everything you've eaten. There's a lot of diet programs that you do that, and the idea behind that is to be conscious of what you're eating. So you know. You don't end up the end of the day saying, I didn't eat that much. And you can't remember what you ate. And there's unconscious behavior, yada, 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 yada. So I suggested the person that I was working with that they write down, take a week and just write down, um, you know, where they spent their time. So they got up in the morning and it was from seven to eight, um, made coffee, ate breakfast, brushed my teeth like that. What we discovered at the end of a week was the amount of hours spent reading the newspaper, doing the crossword puzzle, and watching TV. Uh, that fell into the recreational uh, category of time. And lo and behold, it was a big chunk of time. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But when looking for time to do for something else or what's keeping you from getting in the studio, then the question came up, do you want to go into the studio or do you want to do crossword puzzles and read the paper and watch television? Or would you like to do a little less of those and put that time into going in the studio? Anywho, the, the real idea behind this is to just to put reality on where you're spending your time. Uh, that has been my experience for myself and working with people that it's just making different choices and it really, really helps to have a reality check, a fact check that you can work with. And then you can make the decision, hey, you know what? I'm only going to do puzzles once a week. I want to spend that time in the studio and sort of reconfigure your time and your schedule. 
So there you go. If you're thinking about how come I don't have enough time in the studio, do a little uh, time diet diary for the week and see what you come up with. And um, and if you'd like to share it with me, please do over at Allison at CraftCast.com. Uh, I love hearing from all you guys. I appreciate that so much. Uh, as well as um, you can go to the CraftCast site. You can leave comments. Uh, please follow me over at Facebook. I also have uh, a really fun new fan page over on Facebook. So uh, there's all kinds of free goodies over there to check out. You can also leave me voicemail at 877-819-1859 which is under the contact us on the craftcast.com site. You know how to find me is all I'm saying. So there you go. It's nice to spend some time with you again this week. And you know what I have to say until we meet, meet again. Get your butt in the chair and keep crafting. Just get your